Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethompson.com. Awesome. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Did you know that only 14% of Americans have what we call a biblical worldview? Did you know that only 14% of Americans have what we call a Christian worldview? So, David, what's a worldview? What do you mean a biblical worldview? What do you mean a Christian worldview? It's very simple. That 14% of Americans see life through the lens of Scripture. 14% of Americans see the world through the lens of Jesus. See, the, see, see people the way God sees people. Sees their job the way God sees their job. Sees their family or their work or their career the way God sees their work, their family, or their career. So David, what's the big deal? Why is that so important? Because this, the, what, what, the way you see your life, the way you see your job, the way you see the world shapes how you live. What, the way you see, the way you pitch your life, the way you think the purpose of the world is, the purpose of the earth is, what you believe about that and the way you see things, the way you see people, the way you see the world shapes how you will live your life. If you think we're all here by chance, then you really probably don't think there's much of a purpose to life. I just happen to be an accident. I just, I just happened to evolve over millions and millions of years. So I'm just here by chance. I'm just here by an accident. Probably don't have much oomph to go out and live for something. Because you're just an accident. You were never meant to be here. But if you know that you are a child of the Most High God, that God created you, He ordained you, He has breathed life into you, you are made in the image of Almighty God, you were fearfully and wonderfully made, and you know that the earth is the Lord's and everything thereof, then you're probably going to go live for something. I pray that that something is Jesus Christ. Someone say amen. Biblical worldview is very, very important. It's very crucial. I've heard people my whole life, because see, here's the deal. The, 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 I don't really have a message title today, if you will, but just, just hang tight with me. It's going to be short, sweet, and simple. It's 1151. i got about 17 minutes, and I'm going to use every last one of them. All right, so hang on. Here's the deal. Here's the problem with people today, especially in my generation and millennials, 18 to 35, if you will. I've heard this my whole life. People have this secular, sacred divide in their life. This secular, sacred divide. They're living a split life, if you will. Sundays and Wednesdays are their sacred days. Those are the holy days, right? Those are the days I worship. Those are the days that I give to God, that I live for Him. But Monday through Saturday is my secular life. That's my secular job. But I'm in the workplace. I'm in the world. That's my secular job. God doesn't really care a whole lot about that side of things because it's not sacred. It's just secular. I'm in the world. I'm doing my job, living my career, going to work, punching a clock. That's my secular life. Both Sundays, oh, man, hallelujah, praise God. Those are, my, those are my holy days, right? Those are my sacred days. And we have this struggle. See, I've heard people my whole life say, well, David, I love God. Oh, I want to serve God. But you see... Photography, that's what really excites me. Well, David, I love God. I want to serve God with my life, David. But man, law enforcement, that's my dream. Well, David, I love God. I want to serve God. I want to serve the Lord. But dancing, that's my passion. Singing, that's my passion, though. David, I really want to. Hear me, David. I I, I really want to. I want to serve God. But I've always wanted to be an engineer. And see, people look at their life not with a biblical lens. They look at their life as a split lens, a split life that they're struggling with, saying, yeah, but Sundays are sacred, everything else is secular. This morning, I want to talk about having a biblical worldview, especially for you graduates, those that are going from high school into the university system or into more edu- higher education, or those that are just graduating college, entering the workforce. 
I want you to enter the next chapter of your life with a biblical lens, biblical bifocals, if you will. You need to see the world the way Jesus sees the world. Why? Because it will shape the way you live your life. There's a friend of mine. His name's Philip. And um, Philip and I had lunch last year, and we talked about this. It was kind of an issue. I had some people that, you know, I, were kinda, I was kind of investing in, and they didn't really go the path that I, I thought in my mind. I was like, surely they're going to do this with their life, but they didn't. I was talking to Philip about the struggle, and he came kind of gave me some insight. It was really cool. He said, David, you know, uh, when I was in high school, I loved the Lord. I got saved in my high school ministry, my high school youth group. He said, I got saved, gave my life to Jesus. I loved the Lord. He was, I was involved with, with campus outreach. I was involved with FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I was a student leader. Um, I loved Jesus, and I had a passion to serve God. But he said, my aptitude was off the charts, though. And when I graduated high school, my advisor at high school and my teachers really were pushing me to go into law school. They were really pushing me to study law because they said my GPA is so high and my grades have been so excellent. I got all these academic scholarships. My aptitudes are just off the charts. So with the advice of my advisors in high school and my teachers, he said, I just did exactly what they told me to do. I went to law school. But deep down, David, I really wanted to serve God. I really wanted to do something. I don't know if it was being a foreign missionary or be a full-time pastor by vocation. He said, I don't know. I just wanted to serve God. I wanted to do some type of ministry. So he went into college. He went into law school, began to study law. Next thing you know, it consumed his life. Every day, all day, it's nothing but law. He said he couldn't believe how hard college was and how, how many hours he had to spend studying. Can I, college graduates, can I get a witness, right? How many hours you had to spend studying. He said, my whole life is consumed by law. The only day that I have sacred is Sunday. He graduated law school, became a lawyer, and he, he said, he, he just started crying. He said, David, I struggled with a sense of guilt. Like I, I had, this, I had this, this, this dual life, this split life. I, I thought Sunday was my sacred day, and all the rest of my days, I, all I cared about was law. All I did was law, study law and, and do law. I was a lawyer. So I had this secular, sacred divide, and he said, I felt guilty. I felt depressed. I felt like, God, have I let you down, Lord? I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm doing what you've called me to do. I want to serve you. But my whole life is consumed with law. And he struggled with this sense of guilt. He struggled with this, this pain. And guys, we all at some point in our life have to answer that question. What are we doing with our life? But please don't miss it tonight. Please don't miss it this morning. That your life is all about Jesus. Psalm 24 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything thereof. Everything belongs to Jesus. Everything belongs to God. No matter what you do, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians uh, 10.31 says, Whether you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do it unto the glory of God. There is no, and to this morning, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about breaking the secular, sacred divide. This struggle that we have thinking, well, Sunday is the day I give to God, and everything else is secular. That's my sacred day. This is my, 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 my secular day. And we, we got to break that divide because today when you leave, when you go out those doors, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand. I want you to repeat after me. Repeat this after me. My career is my ministry. My job is my mission field. So guys, what I want us to leave here today having is simply a Christian worldview. It's simply a biblical worldview. I want to tell you a little story this morning found in Daniel chapter 2 about a guy named Daniel. Most everybody knows Daniel. They know him because he was a major Old Testament prophet. Daniel had three really cool guys, three buddies that he had, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And most people know Daniel because of his cool story we learned from VBS days, right? Daniel in the... Lion's Den, right? We all remember that day. We all remember that story growing up. Daniel in the Lion's Den. 
Well, today I want to talk about Daniel in a little bit different perspective. I want to tell you a story about Daniel. Maybe you've never heard. Maybe you have heard, and it's been a while. But see, Daniel broke this secular, sacred divide. He broke it. He had a biblical worldview. He saw the world through the lens of God. He had a relationship with God, and he saw the world through the lens of Scripture. So in Daniel chapter 2, I just want you to listen this morning. You can jot it down if you want to remember what chapter it is. Go back and read it later. But in Daniel chapter 2, is a really cool story. There's a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm sure you all have heard the name Nebuchadnezzar. No, I'm not going to spell it for you. That'd be a good spelling bee question for like elementary schools. Nebuchadnezzar, N-E, I don't, I don't know. It's like Schwarzenegger. I'm not going to spell it. But King Nebuchadnezzar, and since it's so long, I'm just going to shorten it up, called King Neb. So King Neb in Daniel chapter 2 had this crazy dream. Anybody else had a crazy dream before in your life? Like a wild dream you woke up and you're like, Say what? Like what was that? I don't even know what that was. I don't, crazy dream. So King Nebuchadnezzar has this wild dream, crazy dream, and he's and, and he's and he's freaking out. He is totally freaking out about this dream because here nowadays dreams are no big deal. I mean, it's kind of funny. We joke about it. We laugh about it. Man, I had this crazy dream one time. Yeah, man, that is pretty crazy, you know. But back then, dream interpreting was a profession. Dream being a magician, being an enchanter, being a sorcerer—that was a calling. That was a, that was a, that was a profession. That's what you did for a living back then. Interpreting dreams was considered a pagan thing. It was considered, um, you know, an evil thing, if you will. But people put a lot of emphasis on their dreams back then. So King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter two has this wild, crazy dream. So he calls up all his magicians, all of his enchanters, all of his advisors, all of his sorcerers, and he says, "Listen." I had this crazy dream, and I need to know what my dream was. You need to tell me what my dream was, and you need to tell me what it meant, because I have no clue what it meant. He said, you better tell me. The magicians and the sorcerers and the enchanters, they rally up, and they're like, how in the world are we going to tell him what his dream was? I, I mean, maybe if he told us what it was, maybe we could interpret it. You know, we could have an opinion, but they get together, and they're like, man, I just don't know. There's no way we can guess what his dream was and then guess what it meant, what it meant to him. So they go back to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they're like, listen, the enchanters, the advisors, the sorcerers, the all astrologers, we all got together, King Nebuchadnezzar, and we can't do it. We can't do it. We can't tell you what your dream was, much less interpret it. King Nebuchadnezzar said, King Nebuchadnezzar, like I said, King Neb. King Neb said, off with your heads. Killed every last one of them. He can do that. He's a king. Evil king, by the way. Ruled and reigned Babylon for over 40 years. Didn't have a lot of followers on Facebook. No one really liked it. Didn't have a lot of likes on things that he did. Right? No one really liked Didn't have a lot of friends, okay? King Neb was evil, rule, uh, evil ruler, evil empire, killed a lot of innocent people. A lot of innocent blood was shed because of him. So he killed all of his sorcerers, all of his enchanters, all of his magicians, all of his astrologers, all of his advisors. Killed every last one of them because none of them could fulfill what he told them to do. So he's so mad that he tells his chief commander of the army, he says, go into Babylon. I want you to find every wise man there is. Find every wise man, and I want you to execute them. Well, guess what? Daniel is considered a wise man in Babylon. So the commander of the army comes up, and he's looking for Daniel. Well, guess what? He found him. Daniel comes up to him, and Daniel had heard kind of through the, the rumbling and through the talk of the town what had been happening. So Daniel says, well, King Neb, he just executed everybody? He just offered their heads? The commander of the army said, yes, he just, he had this crazy dream. He told everybody that they had to interpret it, and no one did it, so he killed every last one of them, and now I'm here to kill you. And Daniel's like, whoa, 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 give me a shot. Let me talk to King Nebuchadnezzar. Let me, let me try this. So Daniel goes up to King Nebuchadnezzar and says, give me a shot, because I know somebody who probably can, who, who will, you know, interpret your dream. So King Nebuchadnezzar gives him one day, says, go, and I'll give you time. You figure out what my dream was. You got to tell it to me. I'm not telling you, and you got to tell me what it meant. So Daniel goes and he prays to God and he calls out to God. And guess what? That night, God gives Daniel a vision of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. 
Not only gives him a vision of what the dream was, but he gives him a vision of what the dream really meant. He interpreted it for him. So Daniel comes back to King Neb and tells him, says, this is what your dream was. You had a dream of a huge statue, and the statue, the head was made of gold, and the chest and the shoulders were made of silver, and the thighs were made of bronze, and the feet were made of clay and iron, and then the mountain was cut from underneath the statue, and the statue fell, and it crumbled. And King Nebuchadnezzar is blown away. He is blown away. Could not believe that Daniel knew his dream. Not only that, then Daniel began to spit out all the uh, interpretations of the dream. He said the head represents this. The chest and the shoulders represent that. The iron represents this. The mountain that fell and the statue crumbled, it represents this. It's future events, future things that are to come. King Nebuchadnezzar can't believe it. He's blown away. He said, how in the world did you do this? How did you know my dream? How did you interpret it? Daniel gives God all the glory. And here's the deal. Here's where we come into the secular sacred divide. King Nebuchadnezzar then hires Daniel as his chief advisor. And guess what? Daniel took the job. Hold on, David. (laughs) Time out. You're talking about a guy here who loves the Lord, right? He's got a relationship with God. And now he's going to go to work for an evil king, evil empire, right? You doing a pagan practice, something that would be evil dream interpretation for an evil ruler. Wait a second. Why didn't Daniel say, no, King Neb, I'm good, man. I'm going to go over to Israel and advise the priest because that would be a sacred job. That would be ministry. You know, he didn't do that. Daniel took the job. Why? Why did Daniel take the job? He had a biblical worldview. He had a Christian worldview. He saw this job as an opportunity to minister to the ruler. He had this, he had this job, came before him, and he saw it as an opportunity, an opportunity to witness, the opportunity to shed the light of Jesus, the opportunity to advise, check this out, and I don't miss this, to advise the evil ruler over an evil empire. Now Daniel, a man of God, ha- has the authority to advise the evil guy on his decision-making. Through God's wisdom, through God's knowledge, through God and and what he does. Everybody repeat this after me. My career is my ministry. My job is my mission field. But David, you don't understand. David, time out, David. You don't don't get it though, David. You don't don't understand. I got this split life. I'm not a minister, all right? I'm not not into ministry all the time like you are. I don't don't preach a whole lot like you do. Or I don't do this. Or I don't get up here and sing. Or I don't work for the church. I don't do this or that. You work for God. You work for him. He is the creator of all things. The earth is the Lord and everything thereof. Everything belongs to God. Everything under heaven is sacred. Everything under heaven is sacred and is holy and is for God. I've heard Pastor Mark many times quote Colossians chapter 1, 15 and following from this pulpit. Saying that in him and by him all things were created and everything coexists. Everything is about Jesus. Everything that you have, everything that that, that we do, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, but David, you don't understand. I work at a hospital. I don't have a ministry job. You work at a hospital, you have a huge ministry job, more than most, because you're meeting people in their greatest time of need. People are hurting. People are are, are sick. People need healing. People are are sad. People are going through mourning, and you you are there to shine the light of Jesus. You are there to, to speak life into those that are hurting, those that are broken. You have like the perfect intro into a conversation about evangelism to a, to a family member. Say, listen, I know y'all came here because you're sick and you need healing, but I have a healer, and his name is Jesus. And Matthew 18 says that God came. Listen, Jesus came not because the healthy need a doctor, but the sick need a doctor. Jesus said that, Matthew 18. He said, it's not the, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. He said, I've not come to call righteous. I've come to call sinners. I've told you many a times from this pulpit, you heard from Mark too, this is not a place for, for a sanctuary for a bunch of saints. My daddy used to tell me that all the time growing up. Church is not a sanctuary for saints. It's a hospital for the hurting. It's a hospital for the broken. 
We have got to have a biblical worldview, Northridge. We've got to have a Christian worldview. So, David, you don't get it. I'm a mechanic. I'm a mechanic, David. I'm not a minister. I'm not in the ministry. Yes, you are. Listen to, listen to how your, what your job performs and what Jesus performed for you. People bring you their cars. People bring you this, these things that are broken, that are messed up, that got dents all in them, right? And they say, here, here's my car. I need you to fix it. And guess what? You as a mechanic, you fix it. It's the perfect intro for a conversation about evangelism to witness to a customer after they pick up their car after you fixed it. Say, man, listen, I was just like your car, man. I was jacked up. I had dents all in my life. I was completely tore up by the world. But I know somebody who restored me, and his name's Jesus. It's the perfect illustration, guys. Oh, but David, you don't get it. I'm a football coach, David. I don't do ministry. I don't preach. I don't minister. I'm, a, I'm, just, a, I'm just a football coach. No, you're stinking football coach because that's what God planned for you to be and you have a purpose in life. And you say, David, yeah, but I'm just teaching kids to train. I'm training these kids. I'm trying to tell them, hey, put on your helmet. It's game time. It's go time. Let's go out there and win. Seriously, do you need any more illustration? It's the perfect conversation starter to minister to those kids on your football team. So, guys, I know we've been training all hard all week. I know we're pumped up. You got your helmet. You got your pads. I know you're ready to go out there and win. But let me tell you about something called life. And you need to win in life. And the only way you can win in life is this Jesus is the Lord of your life. And you got to suit up. You got to armor up because life is tough. It's going to knock you into teeth and you're going to fall down. But guess what? Jesus is there to pick you up. Somebody shout amen. David, you, you just, you, David, you're not, you're not getting what I'm saying here. You're not getting what I'm saying. I'm in law enforcement. I want to brag on a law enforcement officer in our church. Several months back, all the law enforcement people were like, oh gosh, I hope it's not me. Listen, several months back, I was sitting in my office and became lunchtime. So I looked out the window at the rush office and I seen Burger King. So I walked over there to get some lunch because I wanted it my way. So I was walking across the, the parking lot and across the parking lot was a state uh, a, a patrol car, a patrol car, okay? In the patrol, patrol car, I looked in it, and I saw one of our church members. His name is Jimmy Johnson. I said, hey, hey, Jimmy, what's up, man? Walked over there to the, to, the, to the window. Jimmy rolled down the window. You know, he's just knocking out his little chicken fries. You know what I'm saying? He's just killing it. Right there in the center console, guess what he had? Right in the center console, he had his Bible sitting on the center console. It wasn't shut. His Bible was open. And you know what he was doing? He had just arrested a guy who was sitting in the back. Jimmy was reading the scripture. Had J93.3 rocking out on the radio. He stopped by and got that joker a burger and fries. I don't know how he was eating it. <laughs> I don't know how he was eating it. He was eating it, though. I said, Jimmy, I said, what you doing, man? He said, oh, man, just got this guy about to lock him up. He was smiling from ear to ear. I said, dude, why are you so happy? He said, man. I'm in here witnessing this guy, and he can't go nowhere. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, man, I was like, dude, you awesome, man. Had his Bible right there in the center console playing J93. He was reading scripture to this guy who's about to go to jail. <laughs> he went in there full, though, full with Burger King and full with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, David, you don't get it. Guys, we could go on and on. Right? I memorized like 20 of those last night. We can keep on going, but I ain't got time. It's 12.08, okay? I'm hungry too. The kids are serving up at the ridge. Y'all go immediately follow the service. Go support our little kids in the kids' ministry, okay? Let's go eat up there, okay? But here's the deal. We're wrapping up. As the band comes, do you see your job as your ministry? 
Do you see your career, your calling in life, do you see that as your opportunity as an ambassador? The Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ. That word means representatives. We represent Jesus. We are shining the light of Jesus in a dark world, a depraved world, a world that's lost. But, hey, we know somebody who can have you be found, right? In a world that's blind, but we know somebody who can help you see, right? On and on we can go. Do you see your job as an opportunity to minister to people? If you don't, you need to. Repeat after me. My career is my ministry. My job is my mission field. Guys, when we leave here today, so here's the deal, guys. You don't measure a church by its seating capacity. You measure a church by its sending capacity. And I'm looking around. we got about 350, 380 strong that we can send into Thomaston, into Pike County, into Lamar County, into Spalding County. We can send about 350 strong soldiers ready, armored up, ready to go, ready to go tackle the world and preach the message of Jesus. Because we see our jobs, and tomorrow morning you wake up, it's like, man, i got to go to work again. Man, praise God, you get to go to work. i got to share my faith. Praise God, you get to share your faith. That's what life's all about, guys. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, whosoever, guess what? That's everybody. Look to the person to your left, look to the person to your right. They are a whosoever. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But, keep on reading, how can they call on someone who they don't even believe in? How can they believe in somebody who they've never heard of? And how can they hear unless somebody tells them and how can anybody tell them unless they've been sent how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the message of Jesus the good news guys this is all we have all we have is a short amount of time on this earth a hundred thousand people die every single day a hundred thousand Bible says that life is but a mist life is but a vapor here for just a few moments and then it's gone It is our job. It is our responsibility. And you have to take ownership in that. You have to take ownership in that, that you are a Christian, that you are saved, not to sit on a pew, but you are saved to move your feet and to share the gospel and to spread the good news of Jesus around this globe. That's why you exist. Your identity is not in what you do or what you have done. Your identity is in who Jesus is and what he's done. Young people, please hear me. Graduates, please hear me. You will never find your purpose in this life until you find your identity in Christ. That's it. This is your ID. This is your identity. This is it. All you got is just a few short years, students. Go into college and say, man, I'm going to be a warrior for Jesus. I'm going to start a campus Bible study if there's not a Bible study. I'm going to be a campus leader because there's a bunch of followers around here because the Bible says that broad is the road. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many people are going to find it. But narrow is the way. Narrow is the road that leads to Jesus. And the Bible says only a few people are going to find it. What about those few? It's on you, guys. It's on me. If your coworker dies and goes to hell, it's on you. You have got to take ownership in the great commission of Jesus to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. That's everybody. Red, yellow, black, or white. They all precious in the sight. Rich or poor, doesn't matter. Healed or sick is your responsibility. Students, adults, it's my responsibility. This world, guys, God has given it to us as a steward. We are stewards of everything we have. We're just limited Very few years we're managing the things that we have. How are you managing your time? How are you managing this book that God's given us that most of us use as a stinking coaster? And we don't pick it up. We don't read it. We don't memorize it. 
It just sits on our desk. It sits on our workplace desk or sits at home. And the only time we bring it is on Sunday. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Do you have a biblical worldview? Do you have a Christian worldview? Do you see your life through the lens of Scripture? Do you see your job? Do you see your life? Do you see this world through the lens of Jesus? Do you see people the way Jesus sees people? If not, it's time to change, church. It's not about what you do in your life, good or bad, these works. or It's not about worshiping some ministry or some church or some preacher. It's all about Jesus. If Jesus is not the king, the master, the ruler over your life, you're missing the whole purpose of life. I'd just like to ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you know him personally? It's not a head knowledge, but it's a heart knowledge. You need Jesus. Please hear me. You need him. You need him now more than ever. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you as a preacher on the stage with the microphone. I'm not going to sit up here and try to scare you into heaven. I'm not going to tell you, oh, you need Jesus because you may die tonight. No, that is true. But I'm not going to tell you, you need Jesus because you may die tonight. I'm going to tell you, you need Jesus because you just might live tomorrow. That's why you need him because you just might wake up in the morning and you just might go to work and you just might encounter some co-workers and you need Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Why? Because he is the giver of life. He is the purpose of life. and He is the fulfiller of life. If you're not living for him, you're not fulfilling your destiny. You're not living for him, then you're not fulfilling your purpose in life. Those of you who have graduated, praise God for you. We're proud of you. But guys, this is just the next chapter. You're about to take on the world. Reality is about to hit you square between the eyes, and you need Jesus. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. You can't do this on your own, church. As a believer, you can't win this world on your own. As a lost person, you can't get saved on your own. You need him. So every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just pray if that's you? Say, David, I don't know Jesus as the Lord of my life. I've been singing about him for years. I've heard sermons about him for years. I've heard people talk about stories about him for years. And guess what? You can know all the sermons. You can have memorized all the stories. But if you don't know him as the master and the Lord and the Savior of your own personal walk, your own personal heart, then you're missing the point. Just pray from your heart to God. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you call on him right here, right now? It's not about magical prayer. It's not about repeating what some preacher says. You put this prayer in your own words. You mean it. The Bible says that no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit of God draws him. So if that's you, your heart's pounding out of your chest. You feel like the Holy Spirit's drawing you. Don't you walk away. Don't you walk out of those doors and miss this opportunity. Just pray from your heart to God. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I am lost. God, would you come into my life and save me? Give me purpose. I confess all my sin to you. All I have to give is my sin. So God, come into my heart. Be the master over my entire life and help me live for you. Today, I declare you as my Lord. If you prayed that prayer and you meant every heart, you meant every word of it, just come right now. No one's looking. Just come right here, right now. Stand up and make your way to the front. These people down here want to pray for you. Praise God. Come on. People are moving. Let's go. Don't get, miss this opportunity. And if you're out there, listen, if you're out there, you say, David, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. But I have not been looking at my job as my ministry. I have not been looking at my job as my mission field. I pray to God that we would all have the heart of my buddy Stephen Green here. Every 
just about every employee that he's ever had for Green Tree Services, he's brought to church and they've given their life to Jesus because he says, you know what? It's not about cutting trees. It's about Jesus and glorifying him. And I'm going to pray with my coworkers. I'm going to pray with my employees. And I'm going to bring them to ministry things. I'm going to bring them to church. Let us have that same heartbeat. How will people believe unless we tell them? How will we tell them unless we've been sent? Church, I'm telling you right now, you are a sent people. You say, David, that's me. I want to look at my job and my career now. I want to look at it as a mission opportunity. I Right now, I stand up and I make the decision that from this point forward, my career path is my mission field. If that's you, would you stand? It's like, you're just making a commitment. You're not coming down here. Right now, people are standing and saying, right now, this career that I have that you have given me, Lord, God, I'm looking at it through the biblical lens of the scriptures. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. Lord, I need you. If you want to come down and pray, please come down and pray. God spoke to you this morning. Just come down and slap Pastor Mark a high five. We love you. We want to be praying for you. We want to encourage you. Let's give it all to Jesus. You need him this morning. Let's worship. Come on.